Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm just so grateful. I've been talking about breakthrough. You want to hear more about breakthrough? Can I just talk a little more about breakthrough? Just go a little further. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited uh, uh, about Jonathan. Anyway, if you were here last week, you heard me start talking about Jonathan, the son of Saul, and uh, how his ability to move the people into another. I had to make some notes while we were singing. God was talking to me a little bit. So if you got a Bible, I'm going to go to one verse and talk about that one verse for a minute, and then maybe I'll shorten my sermon and, and be faster. They don't play till 7.15. Just say it's not a noon game, so you can, you can chill out. It's all right. I'll get you there on time. Maybe it's 5.30. Okay. Yeah, I'm all right. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6, one verse. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of the uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Say it may be. Maybe. This may be. I just want you to know that on a maybe, this guy took a chance. Just on a maybe. Look at your, look at your neighbor and say maybe. Just on a maybe, he took a chance. Wasn't assured bet. Just a maybe. Say a maybe. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Say nothing restrains the Lord. I just want you to know you could have no weapons. You could have one old man carrying your, your, your saddle. God can get you through this. You, you may not have any weapons. You may not have any support. But nothing keeps the Lord from winning on your behalf. Nothing. And just the idea that maybe, I love Jonathan because I think he displays to us what a winner's instinct is. You know, some people just have an instinct to win. They just have an instinct not to give up. They just have an instinct to go on a maybe. And Jonathan is this guy that I think we find in the scriptures, the son of Saul, the rejected king, and he's going to be the best friend of David, the yet-to-be-found king. And we find Jonathan here where Israel is stuck in a quandary and they can't move forward into the land of the Philistines. And Jonathan and his armor bearer have somehow separated themselves from the 600 troops and they're in the bottom of a valley and the enemy's up on the top of the valley just waiting to hit them. And Jonathan says, oh, let's do it anyway. It's, it's a suicide mission, but let's do it anyway. We're, we're probably going to get our butts whipped, but let's do it anyway. Have you ever been in one of those situations where it just didn't look like there was an outcome that looked any good to you? Just didn't look like anything could, could help you. You were, you were stuck in a rock and a hard spot, right? I mean, there was just no way around it. You're, you're, you can't. Well, I think Jonathan reveals to us how you can win with what you got you can win with who you're with, and you can win from where you're at. That he has this ability to discern that no matter what's going on, you can break through. And I actually believe that if you're going to experience a breakthrough in your life, you have to be willing to challenge the belief system that you're using right now. You have to challenge what you've accepted as true. You have to challenge those things that you've held as being dear to you. If you think there's another level, you're going to have to challenge some of your own thinking. You're going to have to begin to, to, to hold some of the ideas that you have dear. If you want to go to another level, you're going to have to break some of those ideas off. Because some of them are, are not real true. 
those mental reference points, those maps in our mind, those habits that we have. And the stronger the opposition that you're facing, the stronger the oppression that you're feeling indicates that the enemy really is afraid of you. When you see oppression come up on children, you begin to recognize the enemy scared to death of that next generation. When you see the enemy begin to, I love Jonathan because all in one day he will break through those lines. All in one day he'll break through those things and he'll, he'll release all of Israel into something greater than what they've ever experienced. This man Jonathan understood that Moses crossed the Red Sea, he understood that Joshua crossed over the Jordan and that God spoke to Joshua and said, no man will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Be strong and of good courage. And Jonathan is this guy that is able to take the promises made to his predecessors and take them as his own. Jonathan is able to say that the promises that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are mine. See, the reason you need to know your history is because God made promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they belong to you now. God made a covenant to Abraham, and it's yours. That's why the New Testament writer says, may the blessing of Abraham come upon you. One of the things we fail to remember is the promises that God made to our grandparents. The promises God made to my great-great-grandparents as they traveled over on a ship. The promises that God made to my other set of grandparents as they were on the Trail of Tears. The promises that are made to your family. The promises that are made to us as Christians. Jonathan understood that when he came against opposition, that the opposition wasn't against him personally, but was against the God that had promised to be with God's people. See, every enemy that stands in your way from uh, coming into another level of who you are, that's, that's an enemy against God himself, because God has promised never to leave, never to forsake. And Jonathan was at one of those transitional points in the life, not only of him personally, but also in the life of the people that he represented. And, and, and what he's about to do is unreasonable. It's really unreasonable to crawl up uh, uh, this mountain with the enemy looking over and they can kill you. It's unreasonable. But, it, but <laughs> do, you, do you know you can't defeat your rational thinking with reason alone? You ever tried to rationalize with somebody that, uh, seriously, you ever tried to rationalize somebody that thinks they're the only troop going to heaven? They just know everybody else is going to you know where. That you can't rationalize with people that have already defined who's in and who's out, who's good and who's bad. You can't rationalize with them. One of the things that's interesting to me in, in the last several years is you can't rationalize with people. They, they have such strong opinions. You, you can't rationalize with a deception in your life. You can't reason your way out. It takes a revelation from God to set you free. It takes the unveiling of the presence of God to alter those belief systems in our lives that keep us stuck in the valley while God's trying to get us to move to the top of the mountain. Jonathan understood the promises that had been given, and he understood that God wanted to give him a higher revelation than the one he was walking in. I, I want to break through into a greater vision that God has for me. I want to break through into something even greater. I, I read this the other day. Did you know that the, the, the decade of the greatest contribution of anybody, anybody happen to know what's the age of the greatest contribution of humanity? 60 to 70. 60 to 70. The people that make the greatest contribution to humanity are between their 60s and the 70s. Guess who the second greatest decade of contribution is? 
70 to 80. Some of you need to come out of retirement and some of you need to quit acting like you know something. I'm serious. You're going to have to live about 40, 50 years before you understand anything. Contrary to what we think, you're not a whiz-bang-ding thing at 32. You know a little bit, but sometimes you got to understand who you really are. And some of you have allowed the culture to convince you that at 62, you're retired. And what's really happening is the devil is robbing the greatest contributions of humanity by getting people to sit down too soon. And if you quit too soon, you're not only robbing yourself, but you're robbing others. So the rumors of my retirement are greatly exaggerated. I'm just saying because if you keep reading, you'll recognize that God's trying to open opportunities to you when you're well beyond what makes reasonable sense. And Jonathan is standing in a place to where it doesn't look like there's any hope. It doesn't look like you can get above the situation. And yet at the same time, Jonathan said, maybe the Lord will do it anyway. Maybe he can do it with who we are. You see, your outlook will determine your outcome. I have met people who had the same diagnosis, but this one had this outlook and this one had this outlook. And the purpose of the opposition is to clean up your outlook on life. The purpose of the opposition around us is to get us to see things in a little different way. The Bible says, where there is no vision, people perish. See, you all know that perish means to dissipate. Well, there is no vision. Vision is not about building a building. Build it. It's not about accomplishing something here. Vision speaks to the way you see things. It, the way you see things will determine everything else in your life. One translation says, where there is no revelation, people perish. I like the Amplified. He says, where there's no redemptive revelation. Where the vision they have doesn't lift people up. See, God is always wanting to lift people up. Most people try to see things from a heavenly perspective and they never get, or an earthly perspective, and they never get a heavenly perspective. Jesus has come to try to get us to see his way. Because when he looks at his enemies, he says, forgive them. When he looks at those that are persecuting him, he says, forgive them. When he looks at the woman in the dust, he sees value. When he sees the man hiding in the tree, he goes home with him. He goes through Samaria to recognize the lady. Listen to me. Jesus looks at people far differently than the world does. Jesus is able to see in every one of us the gift of God. He said, without a vision, people perish. Your outlook the way you see yourself, the way you see others, the way you see God working, the way you see God redeeming, the kind of vision. Have you ever met a, a, a bitter person? You ever met a bitter person? They see everything through those eyes. They see everything. You ever, seen, you ever met an angry person? They see everything through those. You ever met a defensive person? They're... They see everything that way. And when they see that way, they, let me, Katie can straighten this out after service. Uh, listen, traumatized people see life a certain way. And generally, their trauma is genuine. My point being is, if, if, if someone is traumatized, 
It's not their fault that they see life that way. If they've been physically abused, they see life in a certain perspective. And you can't just say, get over it. You can't just, because, and everyone in this room has been traumatized. We've all had these experiences that have shaped and molded the way we see. And listen, I've been a part of the tribe of Christianity that's believed in physical healing. And today what's demanded is our ability to reach into the psychic of humanity and heal the trauma that they've experienced so that they can see differently. And it's a really tough calling. Because have you noticed there's not anybody doing great big crusades and pushing people down anymore? Have you noticed? It's gone. Can I tell you why it's gone? It's because everybody believes that you can be healed physically, but there's a lot of lost hope where it concerns with the trauma that we've experienced in our lives. And the church has not yet risen to deal with that. The church has not fully come alive to the fact that we're going to have to stop and recognize that there is an oppressive spirit that is deceiving traumatized people that they're just never going to be any better than that. They're always going to be. You can feel that, can't you? And did you know that, that it's proven now by Harvard and Yale and that, that children of traumatized people carry the same trauma as their parents? That... that, that this is going to twist some of your heads. That if your grandparents were slaves, that the same trauma that's within the grandparents are within this generation. That's why some of you are having real trouble is because you can't, well, I didn't do that. No, but neurologically it's proven that something happens neurologically, physically, in the lives of someone that has been sold into slavery. And that it changes the genetic reality of their children. And that's translated further. Untraumatized, unprocessed trauma is translated to the next generation. Just kicks down the road. And we look at a normally pers normal person and go, well, you didn't have nothing wrong with you. And the truth is, behind that are the children of slaves that came out of Egypt. And they can't go into the promised land. They, they can't move up that mountain to take that hill now with the Philistines in front of them. They're incapable. They have an inability. And it takes somebody like a Jonathan to show up and said, maybe, and restore the hope of people. Can I tell you that America and the world's been traumatized in the last two years? Traumatized. And, and, it, and it, it, it's affecting this it's, it's a, you may not think it is, but it is. And, and the care that's going it's going to require in the next several years, the care that it's going to take, the ability to see and to have the vision to understand it and to move through it and bring healing to a church, there's such an opportunity for our faith if we'll recognize it. And there's such a need. Jesus said, I've come to give the recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He said, I've come to heal those that are broken, but I've come to bring sight to the blind. Did you know you have to have a, a, a recalibration of your vision in order to destroy oppression? 
that oppressive spirits can only be re- removed once we challenge the, what we see on the inside. Blindness cripples our culture. And yet sight is what saves us. Moses could endure what he was facing because he could see the invisible. Abraham rejoiced to see the day of God. The eyes of the serpent were op- uh, the servant were open so that they could see that more were for him than against him. You see, the way you see determines your reality. Your outlook determines your outcome. The ability to see sight recovered. The ability to see those deceptive lenses broken and begin to see clearly. That is a huge need. And when I speak of breakthrough, I'm talking about breaking through those deceptive lenses and to see more clearly. In Mark's Gospel, the eighth chapter, there's about four verses there that I'm going to use. And even as I say it, I want you to recognize that John chapter 8 does the same story and adds just a couple of little things. But Mark chapter 8, verse 22, and then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him. Say, thank God for they. And they brought a blind man to him, and he begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. Say, out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored. He saw everything clearly. And he went his own way to his house saying, neither go into town nor tell anyone in town about this. You see, most of the time it takes several steps for us to break through. Thank God for they. They. Everybody have a they. I had a they. You still have to have a they. There's somebody that introduced you to the concept of the Christ. There's somebody that brought you a little closer. I had a, maybe he was a radio preacher, a TV, but somebody, or more than somebody, thank God for the they. And the first thing Jesus did, does is take you out of town. The first thing Christ does is take you out of that culture that you're in. During this moment when Christ was there, there were communities of lepers, there were communities of blind people, there were communities of sick people that laid around the pool of Bethesda. You see, the only way that they had in this completely sick society of making sure that what was sick didn't get translated to the healthy was to social distance. Social distancing has come from the ancient of lives in the sense, let's put all the lepers over here, let's put all the blind people over here, and the really good blind people will give them a coat, and they can go sit over in this corner, and they can beg. In other words, you keep people in the communities of their own habits. You keep people in their own tribes, their own echo chambers, and you segregate them out. And it says Jesus took him out of his community. You know, when God comes to do something for you, he'll take you out of that way of thinking. He'll take you out of that way of speaking. He'll take you out of your comfort zone. He'll pull you out of that support system. He'll take you out of that. If you're going to break through, you've got to let Christ take you out of that pattern or that habit or, or that mindset. He'll take you out of that culturally accepted, and then he'll spit on you. I don't care how blind you are. You know that sound. Yeah, I don't care how blind you are. If someone goes, you know exactly what has taken place. The minute someone clears their throat, you don't have to see it, you know it. And depending on how bad they clear their throat, you even know. Right? And and the next sensation you have is your eyelids are damp. God knows how to get your attention with both sight and sound. 
He, he knows how to take someone who is blind as a bat and yet let them know I'm doing something. Can I tell you that when God gets ready to do something, you do too know. You can act like you don't know, I don't feel anything. You go ahead and lie to yourself. But when God gets ready to clear his throat, spit on you and put it on your eyes, you do too know God's dealing with your attitude. You, 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 you might be blind, but you ain't stupid. And I love it when people try to tell me they didn't know God's working with them. God's working with you. You know he's working with you. You know he's dealing with an area of your life. And you can hear that sound and you can feel that experience and you know he's dealing with you. And you can try to sit there and act like he ain't dealing with you, but you know he's dealing with you. He's putting his finger on that attitude, on that addiction, on that bitterness, on that, mm, you know, they put a frog in a jar and they put a lid on it. And the frog goes like this, like this. And then you take the lid off and the frog just can only go that high. You know, God's trying to get you to break the lid of your own self-deception. And you know when God comes in and starts going. Clearing his throat, spitting in your eye. Sometimes when you're the most offended, you're on the... <laughs> Seriously, I think God offends you to get your attention. When, when, I think he offends you. I think he puts other Christians in your path and they tick you off. And I mean, they just rub you. I don't even think God, I actually think next time you get offended, look up because God's probably trying to help you. Oh, well. I've, I, I have very clear memory of those moments when I was confronted by the reality of the presence of God. And he got my attention. And the third little thing right here is, do you see anything? Do, do you see anything? Tell me what you see. It's one of the most profound questions. He, he, he looked at Abraham and he said, everything you see, I'll give to you. Everything you see, I'll give to you. I, I mean, if you think about it, do you remember when the prophet was praying to break the drought? And he told the servant, he goes, go, go look that way and tell me what you see. And he came back six times going, I don't see anything. Yeah, yeah. God's going to do something. You go six times, I don't see anything. And finally on the seventh time he said, well, I see, see a, a cloud the size of a... Sometimes you got to keep looking before you see anything. Sometimes you give up too soon. Maybe you got to look a little deeper to find the value of your husband. I'm, I'm trying to make this applicable. Maybe you got to look a little deeper to appreciate the job you have. Maybe you got to look a little deeper to find some value in that. Go look again. Go look again. Come on, have you ever sent a kid to his room to find something? <laughs> I sent a kid in the house yesterday evening. Go get this for me. They come back. I didn't see nothing. <laughs> I said, go back and look again. I wish it had been only seven times. <laughs> Sad thing was he never did find it. I'd go do it myself. Look, what do you see? What do you see when you go look into that area of your life? I mean, the Bible says the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, to Amos, and to Zechariah. The word of the Lord will come, and then God will say, now what do you see? What, what do you see, God? I'll never forget the gentleman. I, I, we were over on the other building, actually. We were over on 10th Street, and I was so passionate, so excited, so naive 
that I looked at this fellow one day as he's walking out, and I said, what do you see? What do you see God doing in your life? And the old fellow didn't miss a beat. He goes, nothing. I see a blank wall. I don't see God doing nothing, preacher. I know you're excited, but I don't see nothing. Do you know what I remember about that guy? Nothing. I don't know where he went. He just perished. I'd seriously, thank God they didn't ask me to do his eulogy because I don't know anything about him. Can I tell you something? If you're not believing God for something this morning, if you don't believe in God going to do something in your life, there's no breakthrough for you. I got a pocket full of goals right now in my back pocket. I got them written down. I can, I can tell you what I'm believing God for. I know what I'm, and you know what I have to do? I have to find the habits. Oh, you're, ooh. I want that. Well, then I got to live a life that produces that. So I got to change my habits. Listen, I do not have a desire to look like that. You want to know why? Because I ain't going to do what it takes to do that. I'm not getting up five in the morning and going to the gym. I ain't doing it. And I can stand here and make it a goal to look like that, but if I don't develop the habits that... I... <laughs> and I'm being respectful. He knows I am. I'm just serious. You can have goals, but if you don't then create the habits... Can I tell you something about goals? Goals aren't all they're cracked up to be. I've arrived at goals and then went, huh, that's disappointing. Sometimes you can get what you want and then not want what you got. How many of you ever set goals and you got it and then after you got it, it came with responsibility that you really didn't like? Marriage, right? I want a husband. Really? After you get one, you may not want what you, never mind. Kids. We wanted kids. What were we thinking? I tell you, grandkids are so much better. They go home. <laughs> Goals. Goals. Goals are great. Except the achieving of the goal is secondary to the person you become in the process of achieving the goal. See, every time I've set a goal, I've had to develop habits Ways of thinking, ways of speaking, ways of doing that would bring that goal to pass only to get the goal and realize who I have become is more valuable than the thing I've acquired. Am I making any sense? That was free. I'm not even sure that's part of the sermon. But do you see anything? Nothing. Well, okay. Okay. Do you see anything? No, I don't see nothing. Just negative, gossipy. You see anything? And he said, I see men walking as trees. That, that one sentence has, has rolled around in my head for decades. Trees. The man had never seen before, according to the Gospels. This man had never seen before. How do you know what a tree looked like? If he had never seen before, how did he know what a tree looked like? And then it dawned on me. He, he, he's eating an apple. He goes, where'd this apple come from? 
And his friend says, a tree? He said, what's a tree? He said, well, it's this thing that grows and produces fruit, and it's an apple. Hmm. I need to stay close to one of them if I'm going to eat. He's sitting by a fire one night, and it's cold, but he's warm. He said, what's going on? He goes, oh, we're burning wood. What's wood? Well, wood's what we get from a tree. And then we cut it down, and we make a fire out of it. Well, I need a tree. He goes through a door, and what's a door in a house? Well, a house and a door is something. We cut the tree down, and we built a house and shelter. And that, uh, man, these trees must be valuable. They can feed me. They can keep me warm. They can shelter me. I need to consume them. They're for me. I get shelter and food and comfort. That tree, I see men and they must be like trees. Men must be good if I can use them to heat myself, use them to feed myself, use them to clothe myself. In other words, men are valuable as long as they meet my See, as long as we view human beings for what they can provide for us, am I in the room? As long as they're like me, as long as they're the right faith and even the right flavor of that faith, as long as they think like I think, give me what I want when I want it, I'll stay married. I'll let them in. I see men walking as trees, as long as they're valuable to me. Hmm. Most people settle for having life after death. But can I tell you one of the most glorious things that's happening, has happened, I hope continues to happen in my life, is that I view every human being. I see the face of God. My heart has so broken over the last several years because I see the face of God in people that I hear other people condemning. And I see the face of God there. I see the face of God in people who I don't share their ideas. I see the face of God in people that I know, but I see the value of them. To see people the way Jesus sees people, that's a breakthrough. To see people as my brother and my sister, our Father, not mine, ours. And he touches him again, and the Bible says he saw clearly. I don't know about you, but I've had to have that touch several times. I've, ha- I've had to have that touch where my, my eyesight got clear, where I wasn't as blinded and touched again, to where I could find the face of Christ and those that I had once regarded as an enemy, to find the face of Christ in the poor and the discarded, the disadvantaged, to find, see, to have my blindness, that's a breakthrough. That's a breakthrough in sight of me. And then the last thing he says to this formerly blind person, don't go back. Don't you go back to that level of thinking. Don't you go back to that level of seeing. Don't you go back to that. 
Stay out of that. Stay, stay out of that. Hmm. Jonathan got to the top of the mountain and he could see. Out of the valley to the top, just two of them. But they, they now stood up here and they could see the battle wasn't over. Most people get disappointed with a breakthrough because they think they mean the battle is over. No, the battle's not over. Just because I begin to see people the way God sees people does not mean the battle's over. That's just the breakthrough. We in a society have a lot of things we need to work on. But we're not going to be able to work on it until we see each other as valuable. Jonathan got to the top. The battle wasn't over. There was still a huge battle. But can I tell you, the Bible says that Kelly, Jonathan reached down and took the honey off the ground and celebrated that victory. When the old King Saul was bitter, didn't want to celebrate anything because the battle wasn't run. Listen, I'm aware the battle's not over. But I can celebrate the fact that I can see people differently than I ever have before. I got to tell you, nearing 64, I see people that I would have condemned to hell 30 years ago in a different way. I see people that vote different from me in a different way. I see people, all of them, valuable. Now, I'm not saying I have, or we will win a battle, win the the war. I know we haven't, but there's no hope until we value one another. There's none. And Saul, he'll put a curse on people until you eat before we've won, and I'll kill you. You don't want to let the bitterness of somebody else pull you back. You don't want to let that happen. Saul will never get his vision right. He'll never get his heart right. You don't want to let that. And you see, let me tell you that, that, that we are overcoming generational things right now. Jonathan overcame the generational blindness of his father Saul. He overcame it. We are overcoming generational blindness Thank God. Thank God. When I grew up, we used to call them generational curses. It's generational blindness. It's generational sights that just didn't see. But Jonathan, Jonathan oversaw that. Got beyond that. That's the breakthrough. And it's got to happen for each one of us individually. We've got to let God spit in our eye <laughs> so that our sight can be cleared and we can see, see each other more clearly, see ourselves more clearly. <laughs> two things. Uh, two minutes till. I'm in good shape. Number one, can you, do, do, do you have any sight right now Are you seeing something, someone, situation differently? Celebrate it. I mean, 
celebrate the fact that that person that you couldn't stand, you can see them in a different way today. Celebrate it. And and I may be celebrating the ability to see someone differently, and it may not feel like a big deal to you. But it's a big deal to me to celebrate that individual and their value to me. Dang, if I wasn't afraid of offending a number of people, I'd tell you what I'm thinking. But if I told you what I think and it hurt some of your feelings. But I can tell you a situation in my life to celebrate that I see that individual differently. Wow. I can feel it. It's energy to me. And I can celebrate that I'm, I, I got that clean in my soul. Oh, well. If, if you can just name one of those in your, in your life, I'm going to tell you today, go eat the honey. Go toast. You, you've gotten to, on top of something. You've broke through something. You're, you're on, you're, that's a victory. Celebrate it. Take that one thing and celebrate it for all that it is. And number two, stay in that place. Stay in that place. Don't let anything or anyone pull you off of that victory. Don't let anybody or anyone come and drag you back. Celebrate the little victories that are inside of your own soul. Maybe you can't share them with anybody else. If you can, find a way. But celebrate it and then stay there. If you'll stay there, it will empower you to break through another one. It'll empower you to break through another one. Boy, this is good teaching. Whether you, what, what, and if you, if you continue to can break through, the battle someday will be won. The battle is the Lord's. And it'll someday, my responsibility is just to break through those thoughts that have, this is any good. Did I, did I do any good here? Give the Lord a shout, would you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. Boy, that whole thing about attaining a goal, but the process of becoming the person while you that that was that was worth the whole sermon. They were grief-stricken. They were disappointed. They were disillusioned. They had been traumatized by the crucifixion of the man that they had hoped would save them. That's trauma. Okay, that's trauma. They were traumatized to the degree that when Christ began to walk beside them, they had the inability to see him. Your unmet expectations will blind you gift. Your unmet expectations, your false expectations will blind you, your trauma. And I really understand their inability to see the Christ. 
but he extended his hand. Maybe he had a hole in it. Maybe it still had a little. And he picked up the bread. You could say he spit in their eye. If you ever had a hand come across the table that's got a hole in it. And he broke the bread. And it says their eyes were open. It could happen just like that. They could say something, you could hear something, and suddenly your eyes would be open to the Christ that's in front of you. It can happen so quickly. A person that a while ago you had no value for. All of a sudden, the Lord can open your eyes to the Christ that's right with you. Most of the time, we don't take the time to see who's with us. On the night of his betrayal, he took bread and he took wine. He said, as often as you come together, you break the bread, you pour the wine, I'll be with you. Look at someone right next to you and see the Christ that's with you. See the person with whom you're sharing life at this moment. God has given them to you. Holy Spirit, come on this bread and this wine. Come upon this people. Open our eyes to see the goodness and the beauty and the truth in those around us. known to us, Father, through the people around us. Come, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now may the family of God pray together. this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever the body of Christ is given for you receive each other receive the bread and the wine I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.